This was the week that the release of the new Bond film No Time to Die was pushed back again to April 2021. And this is Boggle Dogs. Do you feel like you're at the top of a roller coaster about to plummet back down to earth? Well, I think that's pretty normal for everybody to feel like that at the moment. But don't worry, we're strapping ourselves in right next to you. I can't promise I won't scream, but I can promise that we'll have a look at the medical media and that we'll learn something along the way. Boggle Docs is the new podcast for GPs and other primary care professionals that takes the pulse of the nation by looking at the medical media and uses that information as a springboard to help you target your CPD. All of this is aimed at giving us the heads up so that we might have an inkling of what might be on our patient's problem list so that we know what we need to know. And there we are into episode two. So, um, yeah, I'd just like to say thank you for listening and um, and thank you for wherever you are in the world, because um, we've been having a look at where you have been listening. And um, of course, lots of our listeners are in the UK. So hi to you. Um, but there's people in Iceland and Australia and New Zealand and America and Spain and um, and South Korea as well. So hello to all of you who are listening um, and um, and welcome to episode two of Boggle Docs. And this week, my guest is Osman Batty. Hi, Osman. How are you? All good. Thank you, Nick. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on Boggle Docs this week. Um, and I wonder if you could um, introduce yourself to everybody, please. Yeah. So um, Osman Batty, I'm a GP uh, in East London. Um, I lead for the local area and uh, also a Red Welfare Centre. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and you're going to be talk- talking to us about um, a news story that's caught your eye this week. And also a bit later on, you're going to be joining us to talk through um, me, my brother and our balls, which um, is basically Love Island's Chris Hughes um, on the BBC this week, looking at the effects of, of fertility on himself and his family as well. So without further ado, let's have a look at the news headlines. <laughs> And we start with the Daily Mirror. Ear fear. If your earlobe has a crease, it may mean you have a dodgy heart. Um, studies suggest a wrinkle there can put you at a higher risk of heart disease or stroke. So I had a quick look around and I found a paper from the BMJ Open, um, which is from February 2016. And this is a Chinese study, the relationship between diagonal earlobe creases and coronary artery disease as determined via angiography. Um, they concluded that the results of the study um, indicated that the diagonal earlobe creases are a simple and feasible means of identifying coronary heart disease. However, the exact mechanism underlying the relationship between diagonal earlobe creases and coronary heart disease warrants further study. Um, and this was also seen as a limitation of the study in the BMJ um, because they say that although a statistical relationship appears to exist, the biological plausibility of said relationship remains unproven and warrants clarification in future studies. 
Next, we have The Telegraph, and um, Apple is rolling out health records on iPhones across the UK. Um, the feature will initially be available to patients at Oxford University and Milton Keynes University Hospitals. Um, Apple have teamed up with the NHS to launch its health records tool in the UK, allowing patients to view and store their medical records directly in their iPhones. Um, as I said, it's only going to be at Oxford University, sorry, Oxford, um, yeah, Oxford University um, and Milton Keynes University Hospitals. It's been in the States since a about 2018. Okay, so now over to the sun. And it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so they've done a helpful article all about being breast aware and the five things that every woman needs to know about checking her boobs for cancer. They talk about how almost one million women have missed vital breast screening um, due um, due to the pandemic and early diagnosis is key to saving lives. Um, They say that Cancer Research UK states that over 23% of breast cancer cases are preventable and a recent report from Breast Cancer Now highlighted that referrals for breast cancer patients dropped by 70% at the peak of the COVID pandemic. Um, And they've got a useful five-step guide for self-examination and advise patients to see their GP if they find anything unusual. So we may well get patients coming to see us if they found something of concern. Okay, so Osman, which stories caught your eye this week? Okay, well, uh, this is a story on arthritis. And uh, did you know that the telltale sign you have arthritis in the hip joint is? Go on then. Pain felt in the groin area or buttocks. Okay, so without sounding um, <laughs> sarcastic, that's groundbreaking, Osman. Thank you so much. So, which which newspaper has that come from, please? Uh, so, so uh, it caught, caught caught my eye, but it's not not one I profess to reading regularly. So, mm-hmm. this was in in that great medical journal called the Express. Okay. Yes, I yeah. think um, it's interesting. Um, there are lots of let's, we're talking around the point, but there seems to be lots of headlines in some of the papers, like the Express, um, which um, seem to make a big issue out of something that isn't quite so big. So it sounds like you're saying that they are flagging up the fact that, in fact, the headline is arthritis is a telltale sign. You have osteoarthritis in your hip joint, um, and they have come up with the groundbreaking. Um, news that um, the telltale sign is the pain felt in the groin area or buttocks. Um, I think it also goes yeah. on to talk about um, other joints um, being affected. And it talks about how if you have osteoarthritis in your knee, you may get a grafting or scraping feeling when you move your knees. Yeah, that, that's absolutely groundbreaking, isn't it? Really? <laughs> so, uh, but what, what, yeah, and uh, it, it is the, the clear cut sign. Uh, of osteoarthritis in the hip joint is is that type of pain. So I don't know about clear cut, but certainly if a patient came to see me with a grafting or scraping feeling um, in their in their joints, um, I'm sure that difference will cross my mind. Um, but yeah. It, yeah. I mean, you know, basically the thing about the podcast is to look at things that might bring our patients or get our patients to come in to see us. So so they may well read this and they may think, oh, I've got arthritis in my hip or my knee, so they'll come and see us. So that's where that would come from um so yeah. yes thank you for that I, um, I, I, can, I can certainly see my patients going out for a bit of a um you know exercise regime in the gym and getting pain in the buttocks then reading this article the next day and thinking that they've got hip arthritis so that that might be something that you know 
maybe shouldn't happen. But yeah, uh, so yeah. It's, it's worth looking out for. So that's that's where that would come from if they're coming and saying that they've the pain in the groin of the buttocks. They're thinking it's the hip. So um, there we go. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Um, so let's then um, now have a look at this week's daytime TV. And this week we've been looking at BBC Breakfast. And this is BBC Breakfast from the week of the 5th of October. So we start on Monday um, where they were reporting on the fact that nearly 16,000 corona carriers in England were um, not contacted by Test and Trace. So they had Dr. Fari Ahmad to talk about that. Um, and she was making the point that ideally the, the patients should be told within 48 hours and told to self-isolate to reduce the spread of the virus. Um, on Tuesday, we had Dr. Zoe Norris, um, amongst other things, talking about Donald Trump. And there was some very interesting footage of him on his balcony um, and she was pointing out the the signs of respiratory distress that he was showing and suggesting that that he was more unwell than he was letting on um we move on to Wednesday when we had uh, Dr. Rosemary Leonard uh, down the line. She was talking about um, the fact that tens of thousands of patients across the UK were having to find a new GP surgery because um, lots and lots had closed down. They talked about the freedom of information request by Pulse. Um, they had um, revealed that 99 practices had closed in the last year and she was talking about the impact of that. Um, and clearly it's very stressful for patients. Also stressful for GPs too because we're obviously absorbing um, all the all the extra patients um, so that was being discussed um, on Thursday um, we had Dr um, Helen Stokes Lampard and she was basically um, talking about the fact that medical leaders had warned that there was a real danger of the NHS being unable to cope in England if people didn't stick to local lockdown measures um, the Academy of Medical Royal Colleges had said the health service could be back at square one without drastic action and um, she highlighted the point that right now the NHS can and is coping um, there were a few hospitals that were really struggling um, she also talked about the fact that um, there was a variation in lockdown rules um, and this was confusing. And she pleaded, please, let's prote- um, protect our vulnerable this winter. Uh, and then finally, on Friday, um, we had um, Dr. Jamie Parker um, in Nottingham, which at the time was the highest, um, having the highest weekly rate of new coronavirus cases in England with 689 people testing positive for every 100,000 people. And he was talking about the situation there, how they're coping and about how they got to that situation. And that's your look at Daytime TV, BBC Breakfast from last week. Okay, so I'm joined again by Osman. Hi, Osman. Hi, Eric. Thanks for, for still being here. And um, we're now going to talk about the, the main um, TV show that we've been, both been watching, um, which we think may bring our patients to see us if, they, if they're affected by this. So this is something that's been on the BBC. Um, it looks like in the last couple of weeks, they've actually had a, a dedicated slot on a Monday night, which has been um, health related. Um, so the week before it was Andrew Flintoff talking about his bulimia. And this week um, it's been Chris Hughes, who was a Love Island contestant, apparently, um, <laughs> didn't see that season apparently <laughs> I, don't, I don't think i've ever watched a full episode of love island i'm aware of it um, but um but yeah so chris hughes um very bravely a few years ago and um, went on this morning and was um using or allowed himself to be a demonstration model for how to do a self-examination um for um testicular lumps basically so, so you know self-testicular examination um and 
basically what happened is that his brother was watching it on the TV and that night his brother checked himself um, and he found a lump and he was diagnosed with testicular cancer. And so this documentary follows the whole story of um, both Chris and his brother and Chris was diagnosed with a varicocele as well. Um, and it it then talks about fertility issues because both of those, um, the both of the boys have been affected by um, fertility issues in different ways. So what did you think of it, Osman? It's really interesting. So it really highlighted that um, there are infertility issues that do affect men, and most men do not know that uh, fertility uh, can be due to them, uh, not just uh, their, their partner. So it does take two to tango uh, in, in that case as well. So we, and, and the differences of the varicose seal that was that was there with Chris and his uh, brother with um, the testicular lump and also finding out that uh, he's not producing any sperm as well. So it, it really uh, touched upon lots of different differentials. So in a way, it was quite educational um, as well as being quite quite emotive, actually. Yeah, I thought so too. And and the, the interesting thing was that so um, Chris's brother, Ben, um, as you were saying, he um, had to have um, he, an orchidectomy to, to treat the cancer. And prior to that, he... Um, was going to um, store some semen samples so that he could father children in the future. And, and at that point, that's when he found out that he um, didn't, he wasn't producing any sperm at all. So not only did he have to deal with the, the testicular cancer, but he also had to deal with, um, with the fact that he found he was infertile and he had a, oh, he's got a very supportive girlfriend. Um, and it was, you've shown the effect on both of them. Um, and I thought it was very well done. And, and I think they came across really well and, you know, they, they were talking about the issues that were affecting them, um, and but clearly they were both really struggling, understandably, with what they were having to cope with. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and it involved the whole the whole family. What um, uh, was involved with the emotive aspect as well, and it, and it is something that um, can impact more than just the individual. And it, it was quite interesting the way that it, it was very open in terms of you know the, the two two brothers being quite open in, in talking about their issues to, to each other, which in a way is is uh, another thing that should be encouraged because we don't talk about it uh, enough um, with, with anyone really, let alone mm. our, our, our family. And I think that that brought out quite a lot of um, interesting uh, discussion around actually how, how much do we open up um, with friends and how much do we open up with family on personal issues as men. And, and there isn't much that, that, that opens up actually. And um, that, that that was quite, quite powerful uh, in a way because it kind of, uh, informed us that actually that there are issues that men should be talking about and should understand at a early age really rather than leaving it quite late. Yeah and I think by encouraging men to self-examine then then hopefully more lumps will be picked up but they had a very interesting um, section where they got a group of their friends together and they went to the pub um, and they all started talking about um, sort of fertility and male um, health problems um, and you know, feeling your balls and all that kind of stuff. And I thought it was interesting that they they did that in a pub because I think when they had a pint in their hand and they were drinking, they gradually relaxed and were able to talk more freely about it. And I think perhaps it would have been a different result if they'd all sat around um, having a coffee. Um, what do you think? Do you think it was yeah. the alcohol help with that conversation? Yeah, yes, yeah, so certainly. If people are more more relaxed and open, um, and you know the, the barriers come down, that they're more inclined to talk about um, different aspects that they wouldn't talk about uh, normally. And it, it does does um, really 
um, make you think about how do we get people to open up and um, how do we encourage people? Because it's, it's always that it'll affect somebody else, it won't affect me. Um, but as soon as you realize that it can affect people quite close to you, and you know, if, if your friends have a, a certain condition, you, you get more aware of it. Mm. So I think that kind of awareness that, that we, we are, we are lacking. And it's, uh, yeah, so quite finding ways, um, to talk. So I, I'm not quite sure, uh, getting, uh, get, get, getting friends to, uh, go, go, go to the pub for a pint just to find out what's wrong with them is, is the answer, but it's, uh, it's certainly one way that people find out. Yeah, and the other thing that they did as well, they they set up. I don't know how they did it, but um, Chris talked about how he did a shout out online to get some people to have some kind of yeah. Zoom conversations, and they they ended up speaking to to people who'd been affected in a, in a similar way. And there was one guy that that um, Ben, um, who was suffering with cancer, said to Chris's brother Ben, and he connected with this guy who'd gone through something similar, um, and he actually went up to I think he went up to Yorkshire to go meet him face to face for a chat, yeah. and I think he found that really helpful. Um, chatting to somebody who'd been through what he was about to go through or was going through um, and it gave yeah. him some hope um, and they, of course they, they they went to see the specialists a few times um, and Ben went with his his girlfriend um, and it showed them going going in there and chatting about the chances of of them actually being able to retrieve some sperm for him um, and mm-hmm. initially I think he'd been told about there's a 20% chance and he got his head around that which was quite difficult and then the next time they 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 were given less odds and obviously that was absolutely devastating. And I think that's when I really got quite choked up watching it with them because it must have been so tough to A, get that news and B, have had the cameras watching all the time too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Ben actually highlighted it um, himself when he goes that, you know, he was, he's been dealt so many bad cards, he's deserving of um, a good card and, and it kept on going from bad to worse and, it was really, really uh, difficult um, for him and then also for uh, the people who are watching. And I certainly felt, you know, sorry in terms of, you know, wh- wh- when is the good going to going to come? And it was very, very, uh, it was difficult watching in terms of not um, not, not feeling something for, for Ben because it, it was so, so powerful in terms of being not for six and being um, told he's got cancer initially, being um, infertile and then, um, having his chances of um, having a positive sperm, uh, sperm count with different uh, consultants going down and down, and it's um, it was something that that really, really made you think. Actually, it's uh, I think they mentioned it in there as well, where actually some some uh, men can just father children really, really easily, and um, you know it's not appreciated that actually people have great difficulty, and it's. Um, it's something that affects people quite quite a lot. It's one of those un, uh, unknown uh, things that people can be walking around and not know that they are infertile uh, until they actually you know, ha- have the balls to go and get checked. Is exactly. <laughs> Good pun. Um, but I think the other thing um, is that um, the, the whole story started off um, with Chris from Love Island talking about his varicocele. Um, and I think... A lot of his story was, was overshadowed by by Ben's terrible experience, um, and it showed his journey too. Um, and yeah. it, it, I mean, the thing, the, the, the varicoceles are, are things that that are often um, linked to to infertility, um, but they, I think, 
one of the one of the messages that came through is maybe slightly um, at odds with what um, Nice CKS say um, regarding varicose eels because they um, are basically talking. What was intimated was that um, Chris had several operations to try and help with his fertility, um, which mm. involved ablation of his varicose eels, and none of them have been successful. Um, and the the Nice CKS say that that isn't really. Um, recommended basically um, is that something you've read about yeah absolutely and, and i've certainly had patients who've um who've come just because they've noticed a lump and um they've uh, gone and have an ultrasound and found that uh, they've got a varicose and want something done and actually the evidence points away from from those kind of things so absolutely it's been um trying to uh look at fertility overall rather than uh just because you have um some, some veins that feel like worms that you need to have a uh, operation so mm. yeah that was certainly at odds that what we would we would do in practice and um that that could lead some patients to think actually i've i've got i think i've got varicocele or i've been told i've had a varicocele mm. so why haven't i been offered an operation because i just think that that what might be yeah you're absolutely right that that this is the the, the crux of it um Yes, it was great that, that we had um, flagging up the thing about testicular cancer and about checking yourself and all that kind of stuff. But I just think that with the varicose eel side of things, um, what should be explained, and what this is in nice CKS, um, is that um, although varicose eels may be associated with fertility problems, nearly two-thirds of men who have a varicose eel have no difficulty in fathering children. Um, and I think, understandably, that message didn't come across um, hugely strongly in the documentary. Um, but the thing that we would need to be really gend up on if our patients come to see us um is that um again quoting nice cks they they say that um, we would need to explain to men with fertility problems that the available evidence does not support the use of varicose ablation to improve pregnancy rates um and i think yeah. um that's important to, to know because otherwise you might kind of get yourself talked into a referral for that um you know, for that kind of thing and it's it's just important to, to know that that's what the recommendation is at the moment um um, but, yep. but certainly to get some urological advice, I think, would be would be the answer to. Yeah, absolutely. And then they also talked about what I found really interesting was that there, there are so many gadgets out there to try and um, uh, market to people who've got varicose steel. So because there was that discussion in the pub around um, cooling the balls. And uh, if, if you've got uh, you know a cool area, then that, that can help with fertility. And so there are there are these um, things that you can get. Um, online and i'm sure you probably buy it in a in a, in a store as well where where you effectively put ice packs in in uh, underpants and uh, they will help cool uh wow. cool down uh the testicle. so that, I, thought, I thought that was that was quite interesting yeah i think um, i think we should point out that that would have to be very cautiously done and um <laughs> and you yeah. wouldn't wouldn't want to risk getting a freezer burn from that because that would be i know yeah, that's bad. exactly what i was thinking yeah yeah yeah, yeah. what are the side effects of that's a mistake yeah. you only make the once i, I suspect um so yeah. yeah i mean that obviously that just comes from the fact that that um, the varicose eels increase the scrotal temperature um, and they reduce yeah. they reduce the testicular perfusion so that's what they're trying to do with that um online product yeah. um which i'm not sure that um would have any medical recommendation you can understand the, the principle behind it but i think it's certainly very cautious use and that again is something that maybe our patients would ask us about but i'd have to certainly see yeah. Yeah. some kind of study that's been done to prove that that would be a, a route worth going down um yeah, yeah so absolutely. and i've had the had the question in in surgery around you know 
Um, Doctor, I've got I've got a Vocaphil. What what should I wear? Um, why fronts or boxers? And it kind of makes you think. Actually, what what's the rationale behind this? Because they've obviously done some research uh-huh. um, around <laughs> around the different uh, things. And uh, I, I yes, to, to be fair, I had to ask and probe and find out exactly what what he meant by the difference. And uh-huh. yeah, it, it was the whole thing around um, just not having something too constrictive. Okay. So, what did you advise him? Uh, d- d- just d- don't wear anything too constrictive, and um, yeah. So either loose, loose white fronts or uh, or boxes. Uh, yeah, whatever you prefer, but don't don't have them too tight. Okay, and that's good advice. So, so thank you, Osman, for for watching that. And um, that was me, my brother, and our balls, which is currently still on the iPlayer, um, and you can watch that. Um, and you may well find that some of our patients um, come to talk to us about it. So thanks for joining me, Osman, on Boggle Docs this week. Thank you very much, Nick. Take care and um, hopefully see um, speak to you soon. Yeah. Take care. Cheers. Bye now. And all of those resources that we were talking about um, in the chat with Osman, I will post them in the show notes um, on the BBC Action Line website. And um, they have a special section for me, my brother, and our balls. Um, and they will, um, in that part, they're signposting um, us to the Fertility Network UK. So you can click on their website as well. They've also got um, links to um, the NHS website too. Um, looking for other resources as well. Um, so there's lots of information regarding um, infertility in women um, and interventions as well for couples once they reach secondary care. But as you can imagine, there's actually not that much that's specific to men. Um, so there is a, a practice pointer article from the BMJ in 2018, which I'll post a link to. Um, I'll put that in the show notes as well, along with a really helpful um, infographic as well, which is attached to the um the article which um, you can look at by the looks of it even if you haven't got access uh, to the BMJ um, so that's worth having a look at too um, and as I said I'm going to post all the information about um, nice CKS on there as well and if you spend some time uh, looking at those resources then I'm pretty sure if you look at them make a few notes maybe reflect on what you've been reading and listening to um, then you can probably turn this podcast into at least um, an hour of CPD, I reckon. Um, not so bad for 30 minutes of listening. <laughs> anyway, um, so thank you so much for joining me. And don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast. Um, and we are available on all the major um, podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, and also we are on um, Twitter at BoggleDocs and on Instagram at BoggleDocs. Um, so please have a look at those. And if you subscribe to those as well, that'd be great. Um, and um, my name is Nick Kendrew, and I will see you next time for some more BoggleDocs. Take care. Until then, bye-bye.